first year afterwards after Brian died. It was awful. Of course it was awful. And I sat there and, I, you know, you Google things like, what's my purpose? What should I do? Because you just, ugh, you don't know what your point is. And it said, well, write a list of the things that bring you joy. And I thought, oh, God, I don't know anymore. I don't know. And that was... Hello and welcome to Finding Your Spark again. I am so glad that you're here with us today and that we have Carol Bannons with us today. Carol lost her husband four and a half years ago and she has gone through a huge transformational journey from grief to joy. She's here today to talk to us about that. She's actually a certified grief to gratitude coach. So not just her own experience with it, but she's got framework around that. Thank you so much for being here today, Carol. Welcome. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you, Donna Lynn. It's a very interesting topic, and I don't think that you and I have actually talked about the yeah. fact that I came to this podcast because I lost my husband. We did not talk so, about that. No, so no, you had no yeah, idea. I had no you had idea. no idea. No, I, I, you know, I come from a, a, a perspective where things are happening, and as they are happening, I'm finding my way to the best possible outcome, and, yes. um, and that sort of framework for me has made that transition infinitely easier than it is for most people, even though the loss is no less gigantic yes right yes. so yeah, the I, perspective I, yeah that's right that's right i mean here we are you're still breathing i <laughs> you're know still, i know and heart's most still are. beating <laughs> what can yeah. we do <laughs> yeah you have to go on like th th yeah there's not a lot of choice really yeah well, there is choice there is choice it's how you go on but you do go on right and and so it's how do you go on to a place where you can enjoy life again, where you find joy again. Because I know for me, I mean, that first year afterwards, after Brian died, it was awful. Of course it was awful. And I sat there and, I, you know, you Google things like, what's my purpose? What should I do? Because you just, ugh, you don't know what your point is. And it said, well, write a list of the things that bring you joy. And I thought, oh, God, I don't know anymore. I don't know. And that was the spark that made me think, okay, okay, you're still in grief, but you've got to make some steps now. You've got to change some things to move forward in life. Doesn't mean it was easy. It wasn't. And it didn't mean I wasn't hurting because I was. And I, you know, it's four and a half years and I still have those grief births and I still miss him. And I have joy again. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. So you said some really interesting things in terms of the word purpose, mm -hmm. finding a purpose for being here and yeah. also that purpose is connected to joy yeah right so that's that's a really interesting connection that we often don't make when we're just thinking there's no point and we might as well yeah. check out yeah i can remember sitting on the end of my bed thinking what is the point and i looked up and there was a picture of my two children who are adults now but they were little ones and they're so cute i thought well they're my point they mm. are my point do I feel like crap? Yes, I do. But then my point, I want to be around for them. I want to be around if I ever get grandchildren, all of that. And they are what bring me joy. 
Um, and it's it's about looking for those things when you're deep in grief, the little things that bring you joy, whether it's a flower, a cup of coffee, a friend, but starting to look for the things that can make you feel just a little bit better, just a bit, because you still have to feel the grief. You still and actually this this is one of the big things for me is, you know, you shelved the grief or I shelved the grief because I had to go back to work and I. I was a physiotherapist and I was treating chronic pain patients and you have to give a lot of course to them. And I would do that and I'd come home and I'd be exhausted. And three years later, I burnt out and finally went to grief counseling. And she said, you know, when you push down the emotion of grief, you also don't feel any of the joy. You numb out every other emotion. And I went, oh, <laughs> oh, light bulb, because I just felt flat and numb. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's very common when we're going through any kind of trauma like that, mm -hmm. and particularly a trauma of loss. Could yeah. be loss of identity, loss of partner, loss of uh, any loved job, one, whatever. You know. Yeah, that's right. Could be a loss yeah. of job. All of that. Um, it shifts who we see ourselves as. Right. Yes. I can yes. remember there was a moment um, just after my husband died when his brother and my sister-in-law were sitting there and I said, I just don't know who I am without him. Yes. And I thought, you know, I was, I was very young when we got together. Right. Right. <laughs> and so am I her, am I her if he's not here? Like who have I become and you lose your identity. And how is yeah. that enmeshed in this person that is no longer here in the physical world with me? And uh, what was interesting was she in that moment said, I know who you are. Oh, what and a I lovely thing to say. It was, it was beautiful. Yeah. It really, yeah. really touched me. What you me. needed, right? I did. I really did need that. And I will say it, it brought into focus that who we are doesn't actually change <laughs> when we go through these giant portals even yeah. though because we have that core and even when we're not in touch with it we have this core and it's there for us yeah totally when i was creating so i went you know i i went through the well was going through the grief and i decided to be a coach and i wanted to be a coach for midlife women initially which is where my joyful blueprint program comes from because it was about reconnecting with who you are, rediscovering, you know, what you love to do and then reinventing yourself. And that really came from my own grief. It's like, well, there are a lot of women out there who are feeling that, whether it's from loss of a partner, loss of a job, a divorce, empty nesters, or getting to this point where they've given to so many and then they don't know who they are anymore. But really, I think my journey took me onto this grief to gratitude uh, coaching but I wasn't ready for it earlier on. I had to deal with my own grief. I had to be solid in myself to be able to help others through their grief. But it is a yeah. reconnection with who you are. You're still there. It's just trying to find you again. And that takes some work. Yeah, that that is a really interesting point you bring up is that we really don't have anything to give until we are solid, until mm -hmm. we are, we have ourselves we're yeah. in that space and yeah. so that we don't we don't have to um, worry that we're giving parts of ourselves away right we have yeah. something that can flow through as opposed to really be giving to a point Just where giving. it's not not healthy for us yes yeah. exactly exactly yeah. yeah 
Yeah. And it's 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 a very difficult thing to spend to to give yourself that grace and that time. I think we're in such a busy world and we go on and people expect you to get back to normal quickly. And to be fair, they don't know what it's like. And I didn't know what it was like to lose a husband, of course. And when you do, it's like, oh, my God, <laughs> even if you think you're prepared, you're not. Even if you think you know how you'll feel, you don't. Even if you're expecting it, it's still a shock. And we all do it so differently. And I mean, I have a sister-in-law who who lost her husband. She went into manic overdrive of busy, busy, busy. And I was on the sofa watching Netflix for a year. I couldn't move. So we were just totally, totally opposite. But that was how we dealt with, with our grief. And so we have to acknowledge that. We have to say that we, we all do do that. But we do have to then make that decision of how we're going to come back to life again. How are we going to live our lives without that person? Yeah. So you let's go back a little bit to that part mm. where you talked about how everybody is different, because I mm -hmm. found one thing I am positive of is that nobody is going to show up with the right thing to say at the right time. <laughs> oh, no, they <laughs> right? don't. And they try so hard and they, they try so hard. They how are you? you? So Don't much. ask me how I am. <laughs> I'm dying inside. And I know it's the thing that we all say to each other, right? You bump into a friend, you say, hey, how are you? And it pops out of your mouth before you've thought about it. And even now, having gone through that and wished people wouldn't say it to me, I have some friends who've lost people. And I have to stop myself from saying, how are you? because it's just such a normal thing for us to say. And we don't, people don't know what to say. They don't know whether to say anything. Should they say the name of your loved one? Maybe it'll upset you. So sometimes they avoid it. And actually all you want to do is talk about them. So, well, so yeah. that's interesting, right? Because I feel like that, even that of the, all you want to do part is yeah. varies per person, right? It, it actually does. Yes. It really does. I, I had uh, for a while, I had a, a meetup group where we talked about these kinds of things yeah. and how to handle, you know, walking through grief and everything. And yeah. I was uh, someone who uh, I was so um, tired of that question. I was like, are you kidding? Like, uh, or, or worse, how are you? Mm. Yeah, <laughs> it's really different than how are you? Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and, and that sort of like, I'm acknowledging that you are in a painful situation. And quite honestly, for me, it was important to, to remember that I'm not always in that situation that not to force myself to be yeah. in the grieving position. 24 hours a day. And if I could find a way to giggle at something, if I could find yes. something that looked funny, if I could find something that was just sort of semi enjoyable to, to go with that, to be in that moment. So important and to not feel guilty about it either. It's interesting with the holidays coming up and, and at very difficult times for people who have gone through grief, especially if it's new grief. And I think one of the challenges is if they go to a gathering and they find themselves enjoying it, they can feel a little bit guilty, like I shouldn't be. And yes, of course you should, because laughing is healing. Smiling is healing and it's okay. And you're not disrespecting your loved one. And so, yes, finding those moments of joy and happiness and, and things that make you smile are so important. So there's kind of a tie that we make 
between how much I hurt mm -hmm. and how much I loved you. Yeah, and yes. uh, there, there is no actual string between those two of things. Of course That's not. That's just man-made. We just it, made yes. that up. <laughs> totally, totally, yeah. right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and yeah. going back to that grieving differently, some people are really quiet about it. They're not all tears and drama. They do that quietly in their home and you don't see it. And then somebody says to you and somebody said to me, oh, you're so strong. Oh, I'm not. I just yeah. don't even the you. whole judging thing it makes yeah. me crazy mm. it makes anyway, me nuts <laughs> people don't people don't know they don't understand and they're trying they to do their best and i think we have to educate them in the best way we can yeah i think that's the point is that they don't know and there is no playbook there is there no. cannot be a playbook because i'm different from you different from yeah. the next different from the next yeah our circumstances are different like all Everything. of it is so different um you know even and our reactions to like what the trauma was that we went through are are yeah. going to be different based on who we have been before before we leave that that piece maybe just to say it is it is okay to educate the people around you when you have the energy for it yes when you have the energy for it that's yeah. right you're not that's obligated right. you can just nope. be mean to them if you want to or go to bed <laughs> yeah, yeah. or whatever yeah. you're it's fine yeah <laughs> right but it is i mean one of the things that i really want to do is i'm you know on, on social media now is to really try and educate people about think about what you say and and ask permission would you like to talk about your loved one because as you said everybody's different i liked it some some of the time but not all of the time but some people may say you know what i just i just can't and that's okay but ask permission yeah yeah and uh just uh, i guess before we leave that topic i will say that for me uh personally it was really important to be able to talk about my loved one without talking about my loss yes yes so those are two different things they are right they my, are the my memories. internal whatever i'm going through isn't for for me it really isn't for anybody but me i mean i'm yep. a very private person uh, so for the most part right those wounds uh, they are not shareable until they are scars um yeah. my husband was a jazz pianist and so everybody wanted to talk to me about him and they had all sorts of funny stories and memories which was lovely 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 and uh, so that really helped me so yeah so that is a really important piece of it i think to um to be willing to say what you are thinking even when you don't like even the words what you want feel like a lot of pressure when you're in grief it's like i don't know what i want i want you yeah, to leave you me alone know. And yeah. then you go, where is everybody? Why is nobody here taking care of me? <laughs> right. Yeah. So yeah. it's not like you know what you want. You, have you no just clue. Your brain's not working. That this moment is not okay. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, so let's uh let's talk a little bit about how you get from there, because yeah. that is a lot that we it just is. talked about it is to that reinvention process and which i i view as the the road to joy right reinvention yeah. yes. is really how we get there to that of happiness. course of course i mean for me i think gratitude played a huge huge part um i've always done a gratitude journal and i made the effort to really try and find things that 
I was grateful for Dr. Rick Hansen talks about taking in the good. And I love that, you know, when you're walking and you see a flower rather than walk past it and go, oh, that was nice. You go, you stop, you smell, you stop and smell the roses. You stop, you take in the colors, you take in the scent and you expand the experience. Now, if you can do that with your cup of coffee or your cup of tea or the little things or just be grateful for that person who texted you that said, I'm thinking of you or the smile from a cashier at the supermarket, just starting to build the gratitude. That I think is really important. The other thing that was helpful for me um, was honoring my my husband. And I was lucky he'd recorded um, his last concert and I made that into a CD and I sent it out to all his friends and family and fans. And, and it was really a very healing thing for me to do. So doing doing something for somebody else, that was helpful, you know, and it was sharing him all over again. But it, it took time. It took time to start feeling better. And, and I remember some days you think, gosh, I feel good today. And then you, the next day you wouldn't. And then it started to be, oh, I had a couple of days of feeling good. Am I better no, it doesn't get, it's not better. It's just you had a couple of good days. But I think it was the effort of gratitude. I had beautiful friends, beautiful, beautiful friends, supportive. Um, that made a difference to me. And just really choosing to try and move forward, choosing to um, to live my life because I had the life to live. He didn't. And so I had to choose that. Um, I could have stayed, you know, on the sofa for the next 30 years, but it wasn't really very appealing. Does it mean I still don't feel sad about his loss? No, of course not. Can I listen to his music? Barely. But I'm having a life and I'm happy and I'm joyful. But boy, oh boy, when I read back on my five-year diary, it's like pretty, pretty sad stuff. It yeah. took a while. Took a while. Yeah. So, so let's talk about this kind of rehearsing the muscle of mm -hmm. happiness, right? Yes. Because I think that's what you're getting at here is that mm -hmm. um, your, your, your reference to like some days I could do it easily and some days I couldn't do it easily, meaning be okay. <laughs> right? Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. Is it really reminds me of like when you go to a, a physical trainer and you do your biceps and you yeah. show up and then the next day you can't lift that. And then two yes. days later, you can lift double that. And you're like, I don't know what's going on. Um, yeah. But it's a rehearsal. It's a muscle. It is. Kind of. It's the idea of a muscle. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> conceptually, it's a muscle. Conceptually, um. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's a good it's a good analogy. It is. It's practice yeah. because because we know with the brain. And, and this is sort of apart from breathe, it looks out for threats, it looks out for, it has a negativity bias. We always look for the negative. We have to practice looking for the positive and we have to start to learn that you can't rely on all of the outside stuff. We have to find something inside that makes us content. And of course I did tons of reading. I'm a reader, I've got every book on ha happiness and, and self-compassion actually, a big one of course, self-compassion, radical acceptance, all of these things of accepting the emotions, being with them, sitting with them and looking for something that makes you feel just a little bit better. Not going from grief to joy like that, that's on the Abraham Hicks emotional scale. You don't want to go from there to there, you can't. 
do that quantum leap easily. You want to just feel a little bit better each day, a little bit, each month, each year. For me, it's really important to break that down to each moment that mm -hmm. that when I assess a day or a week or a month or a year, it's it's flawed. It's through a filter that is me. And so it's kind of flawed. And I know a lot of people who like to journal and they'll look through that and they'll be like, oh, well, this now I have like evidence. But even that is kind of flawed because we're not every moment of our day. We just know what we focused on that day. We focused on the sadness that day. Oh, okay. But yeah. did we have good, good moments or not? So this concept of really becoming present, like you talked mm -hmm. about when you were walking in the, uh, with the flower, you know, yeah. you're, you're really, it's a sense of being absolutely present in this moment, which is really the only place that grief doesn't exist. Right. Yeah. Because grief is about something, our separation from something in our past. Yep. Or our thoughts about what our future are going to be like. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, it's so interesting because when you think, when we think of that 47% of the time, we're not in the present moment. We are either in the past thinking about it, ruminating, or we're in the future sort of fortune telling what, you know, well, what's life going to be without this person? And of course, those thoughts go through our mind and we still have to acknowledge the grief, but can you be mindful of this very moment? It's the only moment you have. And that, yes. that is helpful. It yes. takes practice again, doesn't it, to come back to that moment, to the maybe the breath, or if you're washing up, just wash up. <laughs> Don't think right. about anything but the washing up. Then you can't think of your grief. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know that that deciding, that willingness. We're really talking about a willingness to mm -hmm. to not feel like crap all the time. Yeah, that's that's a big piece of it, right? Because I found my experience was that the people who came and and were well-meaning, many of them wanted me to be sad, right? Because they expected me to be sad because I was sad and who wouldn't be sad going through yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I was reaching for any moment that I could find that had relief in it, right? Which means yeah. that it felt a little better than wherever yeah. I was in that moment. Um, yes. And I think your your uh, reference to washing the dishes, I love the reference to washing the dishes because I think of it often, like what is going on in your mind when you're washing the dishes, right? If you're If this is what you're doing and your hands are busy, but your mind is going someplace else, then you, there is, you cannot be in, in any sort of real relationship with that moment. Yeah. And I think it's a really delicate balance because we want to acknowledge, I'm not saying do not acknowledge the emotion of grief and sadness. Of course, we have to. We absolutely have to, but we don't want to stay in it for the rest of our lives. And if anybody's listening to this who's in grief, you know, our, our life can expand around the grief doesn't mean you don't love the person. It doesn't mean you don't miss the person, but your life is able to expand around it if you choose to let it, if you make some decisions that sometimes are difficult decisions. I mean, leaving a 36-year career as a physiotherapist, that was a big decision for me. I loved my job. 
but I couldn't handle treating chronic pain every day, day in, day out when I was dealing with my own pain. So let's talk about this, uh, finding your own way and mm -hmm. what your emotional state is when you make good decisions and what your emotional mm -hmm. state is when you make really <laughs> bad, bad decisions. decisions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, for me, the, the, the first year afterwards, I, everything stayed the same. And then I started thinking, okay, need to do something. I hired a coach. Then I decided I was going to be a pain coach because that was something I was very familiar with. But after a year of that, I thought, oh my gosh, I, it's too much. I'm doing it during the day and coming home. And eventually I actually burnt out by treating patients and keeping going. And so I took myself away for a week to a retreat where there was no social media, no TV. And I sat and I journaled and I journaled and I just took care of myself. And I gave myself the space to finally think about what I wanted and to allow myself to feel the emotions and do all of that. And I wrote in the diary and yes, I was done with physio. But the moment, the funny thing is the moment I came home, I'd made the decision in my head, that's it, I'm done. I came home and then I got a bit wobbly about it. I'm like, ooh, oh, do I really want to give up my career? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> as soon as I got back into my home environment, I'm like, oh, I don't know. This is a really good point. This is <laughs> an important, important point to change of all sorts, right? Yeah. If we want to change, one of the simplest things we can do to support ourselves is just go somewhere, anywhere else, right? Totally. Go for a walk to a different place in the town, go for a vacation, go for whatever it is that, that we store our memories in the places, right? We see, when I was a kid, I, uh, I, we had to, uh, in school, all the chairs were lined up, you know, and we had assigned seats. Right. And if I went in there and I learned all the material from one seat, I could pass the test, no problem. Okay. But if I got put in a different seat, I literally could not pass the test. That is where my information was. And I think that's not uncommon mm -hmm. that people have, I mean, that's a little extreme, right? But people have some relationship to space and thought and memory and understanding our own identities that is related to space. So get out, go yes. do something else. It was, it was mind blowing actually for me. I mean, I was not really a big journaler and there I am just writing like mad. I'm sitting at the dinner table writing, I'm out in the garden writing at this place all this stuff just pouring out of me that I, I didn't, because at home, you've always got the laundry, you can clear up, you've, there's always something, the phone's ringing. The space and the change of environment, it can be transformational to allow, allow your thoughts and your heart to speak to you. Yes, what a great tip. What a great tip. And I think a good tip for all sorts of change, you know, yeah. anytime that you're reaching for uh, furthering your career or reaching for a new career or reaching for a new thought in your relationships, right? If yes. you think like, I always perpetuate this situation and I want to do it differently, try swapping seats at lunch, right? If that's where the problem is. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, that's really great to hear you talking about. Yeah. I also, uh, hear you being incredibly intentional. Yeah, I think I am. <laughs> I think, I think, I I think it requires that. I think that this, this giant portal, as I like yep. to call it, yes. of change that yep. we are sometimes thrust into by yep. loss, yes. um, 
you know, it requires that we be intentional because you can just get tossed around in there and kind of get lost, right? Mm -hmm. I know someone who became a widow and she reads books, you know what I mean? Like that's what she wants to do. That's it. Yeah. And I thought that doesn't look so bad. That looks pretty good. (laughs) Maybe I could do that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, maybe. And well, actually, funnily enough, you still talking about books. I remember the first year I was I couldn't really focus and read. And I'm a big reader. I love reading, reading all sorts of stuff on the brain and neuroscience, you know, and that's my physio background, but I love all of that. I could barely read a book. And one of my patients was bringing me these very light, almost romantic Regency novels. And I was just eating them up until one day I read one and I thought, what am I reading here? I realized my brain was coming back. And it's so interesting. You don't real. I think you don't always realize that where you are, until you start to feel better. Um, it's it's really interesting. But yes, I didn't want to be that person sitting on the sofa reading for 30 years and watching the TV. And yes, it's intentional. And that takes effort. It takes support. It takes work. I would never have taken a month off work if I hadn't had a grief counselor to say, because I said, oh, I'm just going to take two weeks. And she said, really? Two weeks? Why aren't you taking a month? I said, oh, my patience. She's like, Carol, you need to take a month. I'm like, oh, I felt terrible doing it. And it was the best thing I could do. Gave me this enough space to think. So let's talk a bit, little bit about this joy. Mm-hmm. Here's joy. Mm-hmm. It's really far away mm-hmm. from all of those feelings. Yep. Yes. Um, <laughs> any of them. They're all yep. in the same neighborhood. Yep. <laughs> They're, they don't feel good. No. Nope. Um, and we have joy up here. And we have gratitude, which kind of takes us a little bit on the way but let's talk a little bit about that sort of for lack of a better way of putting it uh vibrational matching of contentment satisfaction uh ease flow all those things that are along the road map that get Mm -hmm. us to uh to the state of happiness joy bliss all the things that we go like yeah yeah that's what i want i want that even though i feel dead inside so how do we get there again it's probably different routes for everybody isn't it i mean um one of the things that sort of was taken away from me was music because brian was a musician and i just i couldn't i could not listen to his music it was heart-wrenching but i couldn't listen to anybody else's music and i couldn't play the piano those would have been my go-to things for bringing me a little bit of joy. Now, I knew I was feeling back better when I could all of a sudden play the piano. It's like, oh, okay, that's good. So I think partly it's a bit of time thing, but I think you have to search for things that are going to make you feel uplifted. So if you watch TV, don't watch all the really grim murder stuff. It pulls your vibration down. I used to watch that stuff, you know, all the Sopranos and all of that stuff. And now I'm on much lighter stuff because I just want to feel good when I watch something. I don't want to read the news and read. I mean, I hear it. I hear the little bursts on the radio, the 32nd. Actually, that's all I probably need now because I don't need to hear who was murdered and all of this stuff. That pulls your vibration down. One time, it's only news the first time you hear it. Yeah, there you go. That's it. So choosing what you you expose yourself to, I think that's one thing. Choosing who you're around with. Now, we all know there are people who just uplift you. I We had a receptionist at the clinic. I never saw her sad in one day. She was just joyous. She was a pleasure to be around. And you just, I could hear her laughter. She was lovely. 
And there are other people who just suck the life out of you. Spending time around those people, you want to maybe limit that because that pulls you down again vibrationally. People that complain a lot. Oh my goodness, I don't want to hear it. So it is intentional about picking your environment, picking who you're around, spending maybe a little less time. I know if it's family, it's difficult, but picking friends who are uplifting. Yeah, you know, you really bring up a good point, because I think that all of us would say, I want to be around my uplifting friends Mm -hmm. in any time of life. We would always say that. But we would also say, well, that one's so depressed. I I want them to feel better. So I want to go be near them or that one. I know they're miserable, but they need someone to love them or I've known them my whole life. And so I'm not going to. Right. And when you're going through that portal of change, whether it's from loss or other other ways, mm-hmm. it literally your life depends on these choices. Like yeah. the outcome of this swirl is going to be different depending on what you do with the next 10 minutes and the yeah. next 10 minutes and the next yeah. 10 minutes. Yeah, totally. Um, and I'm not saying don't see those friends who are depressed or negative, not at all. But I'm saying limit the amount of time perhaps you spend with them or and, and go for a walk with them so that that's they can't right. do that. That's the, right. They can't just sit and spend an hour and a half telling you how awful their life is. And one, one of the things I found very interesting was, you know, people would tell you about everybody that had died. And I'm thinking, don't don't start telling me that. I've just lost my husband. I don't need to hear your story about who's died and who's dying and who's sick. Not the best thing. So being around those sort of people, it's like, oh, no. So I really, I I have been even intentional with friends and I'm very fortunate because I have fabulous friends that, you know, really fabulous friends, but picking things that make you feel good. Travel is something that I love. Well, of course, COVID really nixed that, didn't it? But um. Yeah, picking things that make you feel a little bit better so that you have more moments of feeling a little bit better and working at it. And some days you can't. Sometimes you don't have the energy and then you blob. That's how it is. So one of the reasons that I chose the titling the way I did for this episode Mm -hmm. is that it occurs to me when we talk about grief and joy, Mm Most of the time, people don't talk about those two things together. And also, um, you know, when you have joy at seven years old and you've had a typical upbringing, right? So not not that you've been through a loss and then gone someplace else, right? But when you are younger and you haven't been through a lot, uh, your sense of joy and your experience of joy is very, very different than your experience of joy after you've lived a a fullness of life right yeah it's less maybe less exuberant you know kids i was gonna say the opposite actually oh well i i really i really think that the the sort of like a springboard the depression of that springboard that life causes like we just it, it just happens like crap happens you know yep and that what can happen from there, the spring, if you allow it, can be gigantic. Yeah, you, I think you can I think give you, up halfway, right? You yeah, can. you can. You're like, oh well, it's pretty good. 
I think the kid, I just think of kids as so exuberant because they don't think of, think of anything else. But I think it's, I think you touched on something. It's the allowing and we have to receive joy. We have to be open to it. We have, and that again is that looking for goodness, appreciation, the blessings in things and just being open to it. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think that that grief changes joy. And I think that when we say that, mm-hmm. we do mean, most people mean, that means that I, uh, it is always coloring what I'm feeling. I had so many mm-hmm. people say to me um, after my husband died, it's a, it's a common reference and, and most people believe it. Um, uh, you, the pain of your loss will never go away, but it, whatever, lessens or whatever. I don't agree. Yeah, I don't agree with that myself. Me neither. <laughs> I mean, I can think of Brian now without lots of tears, without lots of pain. And I know initially I, I didn't think I'd ever feel like that. You know, you don't want to get out of bed. You don't, Just getting out of bed was an effort. It doesn't mean I loved love him any the less now because I'm not just moping around. I loved him. I cared for him when he was sick, sick, sick. I, you know, this man, I loved him. Um, and and I need to have a life. And and it's really important to allow yourself to have that life and to have that joy. And no, I don't feel that I'm in grief all the time. Do I sometimes have moments of grief? Absolutely. Do I have moments of grief bursts? Yes. Does something somebody sometimes trigger me? Yes. But the majority of the time, I'm a happy camper. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that is a, a great way to frame it. I think it's important to give it a little bit of a framework like that. Mm. Um, just to say that uh, for me, it really is uh, an acknowledgement that we're in a new life. You're yeah. in a new life. It's a different life. Yes. It's not that life. And, you know, I lived in, in multiple places. And mm-hmm. so one of the places I lived was New York City. I spent 20 years in Massachusetts after I lived in New York City. Right. And I loved New York. I loved yes. New York. I love New right? York. Yes. Right. It's wonderful. But it was over. It was also, yeah. I didn't have a regret from leaving. I didn't think, oh, if I could just go back, right? So these moments where our lives become different, right? That was a good yeah. decision we made. It was a it was a we decision, right? It was a decision that both mm-hmm. my husband and I were in on and that we found our way through things that he wanted and things that I wanted and how could we have all of it and yeah. it was, was a move the right way to get that all of it and all of that right yeah and i would not trade that portal that change for anything right because i got to live this whole life in the next place with those people and with those interactions and making those relationships as well as the ones i had before but it doesn't mean i don't love the people who i love in new york right yeah (laughs) doesn't mean i don't miss walking down the street every once in a while exactly exactly it is it's a different life it's a different life life. and i think that's we have to accept that and you know you do have to give up all hope for that better yesterday that they're gone 
they are gone and that acknowledgement and acceptance is difficult certainly initially and nothing nothing we can do can bring them back and so, so you're talking about regret are you talking about regret no well no but no but you can throw regret in i think that's one of the pitfalls of grief people regret things they didn't do i mean i regret not taking off three months of work so i could be with him i didn't do it yeah can't change it can't change it now and so and done. also it's it happened and you got to live the life you got to live right you Whether did the best it could you have can. been different who knows of course of course I, I do think of arguments that i had with my husband over what now seem like the most trivial things yes. and i i acknowledge in the moment out loud i say oh you know what now it doesn't matter to me how the silverware is sorted yeah there <laughs> you, you know? go there you, you go you were right about that i'm really sorry <laughs> right yeah. so those those moments where you try to go back and relive and i think people do this uh, under multiple circumstances yeah. where we we're clinging to the past in order to try to change it yeah and we can't. This is what it is. Take the good yeah. and, and leave the rest. And leave the rest of it. Exactly. And and that's that is challenging for people. I think I think because we do cling to things, especially when we're sad and we're lost, we're sort of clinging to the memory, but we don't cling to all the guilt and the regrets as well. Let those go. Cling to the cherished moments, to the beautiful moments, the ones that fill your heart with joy. That's that's what we want to cling to. So to. this is interesting, right? Because we're getting back to that vibrational matching, that mm -hmm. matching of the environment that we practice within our bodies. Yes. And when I am sad, when I am actively, I, I watched a movie, I, I don't remember, a few days ago or a week ago, and I kept thinking to myself, why are you still in the room? Why are you still in the room with this movie? <laughs> and I'm pouring out of my yep. face. The tears are coming. And I'm thinking, yes. And it was like some awful, it wasn't awful. It was supposed to be sweet, right? Yeah. If you hadn't been through those pains, it would have yeah. been sweet. Yeah. Um, and uh, and it triggered everything in me. And uh at the end of it, I could associate, right? My because that was my space I was in. I was in loss i was in regret i was in a little bit of worry right all those characters had done that thing and i went with them right mm -hmm. for those few minutes yeah. and when i went with them i also activated every memory i have yes. of the times that i could have come home earlier or i could have not forgotten to pick up the thing on my way home to make my husband happy or any of those things right yeah you activate that stuff in you that yeah. is dormant you don't need it it's not in your world unless you activate it yeah. and when you do it can take uh make a real wave right it can yes really do that too. yeah so activate okay. i love your your suggestion of watching happy movies or watching happy shows uh because there's so much to explore in those above the line uh yeah. you know emotions yeah that uh we don't we don't we go and then they were happily ever after <laughs> yeah it was trouble I mean, it was trouble there was trouble it was better and then happy and then it was happy watch we some hallmark christmas that. movies you know they'll make you cry for a moment and there's always a happy ending and it's always the same story i mean i can only tolerate maybe one a year but um because they're a bit sickly but yeah i mean when we think about the heart and heart coherence and mindfulness and breath work 
and opening up the heart, allowing joy. And, and as you're breathing in that heart space, thinking of your loved one, of a beautiful memory and gratitude, we know that makes you feel better. There's research on it. That's what we need to start practicing and, and helping people to know that maybe just two minutes of that, of a memory, of love, of that loved one, of their smile, how that will make them feel when they start to do that. That's such a yes. powerful and thing. And also, we don't have to use the actual person, right? No. To be, like be, you said, you can go to the flower or the really It can be the flower. Thing. It can be a pet. It can be a smile. Yeah. It can be anything yeah. to just get that heart coherence. And it's such a beautiful exercise. We, you know... The, but but if you don't know it, then you don't know it. And I think the trouble is that when I think the thing I would say for people in grief, if you're listening, please get support and help because people can give you these tools and tricks and things to help support you through the journey so that it goes a little easier. It's not an easy journey, but if you have a little bit of support, it does make a big difference. Well, thank you so much for being here today, Carol. It It has been really a treat for me to get to talk to you and uh, with these unexpected connections that we have yes and um and i would love to just let people know how they can get in touch with you and anything you've got going on you'd like to tell them about okay yes you can get in touch with me through my website which is www.carolbannons.com there's a contact me form everything's there there are a few of the podcasts i've done but just yeah just email me from there and you can we can chat and i'm doing grief to gratitude coaching so if you are struggling and you know can i just say coaching is different to counseling counseling in that in the initial stages when you're looking back and you're in that deep grief that's very helpful coaching is more when you're ready to move forward how are we going to move you forwards now how are we going to get you back to life and to joy that's where i'm at that is wonderful. Thank you so much. I will, uh, of course, everything will be linked below and so on, on the platform that you're listening. And of course, I want to remind everyone that if you go to donalyn.blog, you will see that you can now access a joy quiz, which is really fun. Mm -hmm. It is uh, about two minutes. It's 11 questions, multiple choice, all different pictures and stuff. It's kind of fun. And uh, it really explores this, like, where are you on that roadmap to joy? So mm -hmm. you can figure out what city are you? And, uh, and then, you know, what are you gonna, what can we do from there? How do we get from wherever you are to where you want to go? Sounds so, good. Thank you so uh, much, yeah, Donna Lynn. Thank you very much.